Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I hope you're enjoying your weekend, and I hope by the time you leave, somebody's enjoying it. I hope by the time you leave, you're still enjoying it. Uh, We want this morning to be remarkable as we continue in our series. I'm looking at the things that set believers apart, not because of necessarily their opinions or their stances, but their lifestyle, their testimony. And we want to live in such a way that is mission fit with our calling to be different, to mirror Jesus Christ to our society. And, and we've kind of called it being remarkable, okay? And, and so in our first Peter series, every morning we start, I head us down a road. And down this road, uh, um, I'm going to be specific today. I know I'm not going to, not everybody in this room is going to have experienced this yet, okay? Um, but maybe someday you will. But I'm going to take you to your wedding day. Do you remember your wedding day, couples? Do you remember that day? Uh-huh right? Remember that day? Or was it, oh yeah, actually I do remember. That was a stressful day. My mom was freaking out, you know, all these things, different things, right? I remember our wedding day and, uh, and Rebecca and I, when we got married, it, it was, it was such a, a cool thing to see her come down the aisle because God just blessed me with a super, super awesome wife. And, and I remember that day specifically, and I get to relive it a lot as a pastor who does ceremonies at times. And there's just one part of the ceremony I continually go back to, and I kind of chuckle at it a little bit because it's so symbolic and beautiful, the wedding day, but um, it changes a lot as a, as a marriage goes on, you know? Um, I, I do premarital counseling as well as marital counseling, and I prominently now, predominantly now give it to our counseling team who is phenomenal, but um, I always prefer to do premarital counseling than, than the other. But one of the things I talk about is there's a lot of symbolism to your wedding day that I want it to be a reminder to you and not just like a cool thing that couples do, but um, symbols of your love and faithfulness. And I know in every ceremony, I bring up the moment where there's the time for the exchange of rings and, and they always pull their hands up. And if you're standing real close, their hands are like that, okay? And her hands are like that. His hands are sweating, you know, just because they're not that comfortable around each other. And then I appeal to the group, say, hey, do we have the rings? And he does something. I'm like, you know, like face like he doesn't have it. And she's like, it's not funny, dude. Just give him the ring, okay? Didn't really want you in this wedding anyway. Okay, no, 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 no. I mean, but, but, but uh, as we're going through this whole thing, um, I, I chuckle because the wedding ring, I say things like, guys, this ring is an awesome symbol of your love and faithfulness. Am I taking you to those days? And I said, and when you put this on, you're, you're exchanging it and, and don't miss the significance of this ring because this ring is made of precious metal. At least most of yours are, right? It's made of precious metal, which reminds us that love is costly. It's not cheap. Jesus would tell you, love is costly. It's not cheap. That ring is made of precious stone because it's expensive at times. You'll have to sacrifice at times. And then I tell them it's a circle. And that reminds us that love is unending. It keeps going. It should never fail, scripture tells us. And so this this ring is not only a sign of your love and faithfulness, it's an awesome symbol of the love 
and sacrifice and cost love is, as well as the fact it should never end. And I watch them put it on and I'm like, yeah, they just are listening to their pastor talk about the importance of rings. I think this is like my seventh, guys. So where are y'all at? Where are y'all at? I, I mean, I've had so many rings. I remember one time, one time I was, it was right before our camp, our teen treat, and we're heading down the bus. And I was telling a couple of the girls, they're like, can we see your wedding ring? I'm like, yeah, it's nothing exciting about mine. You guys see Rebecca's, you know, she wasn't with us on the trip. And they're looking at it and they go, have you ever lost it? I'm like, oh, girls, all the time. I lose this thing way too much. And, and so we don't get me expensive ones because I'm really bad with them. <laughs> And uh, I was like, one time last year, guys, at camp, we were canoeing down the Delaware, and I guess my hand shrunk, and the ring just flew off. And I went home, and I was like, oh, no, I don't have it. And like, what'd you do? I was like, I got another one. Did she hate you? No. <laughs> Girl, it's bigger than the ring, okay? Okay. If my husband loses his ring, I'm going to kill him. It's just fun to hear teenagers ruminate on this stuff. And so at the end of the trip, we're heading back and the girls are like, yeah, and we were talking and stuff. They go like, hey, at least you didn't lose your ring. I'm like, yeah. And I went, oh my word, it was gone again. And so Jesus is saying, maybe I don't treat this the way I preach this, but the symbol is so important and it's, it's so beautiful. And it's one of the reasons they're, they're, they're worn, but there's something I say in the ceremony right after they put their rings on. I say, guys, Scripture tells us that the husband is to fulfill his duty to his bride, and his bride is to fulfill her duty to her husband. It's as if you understand the responsibility to this marriage. And this is why it's so important. The world looks at marriage totally different than the Scripture does at times. And if you're only getting your information about marriage from the world, you're going to have a warped view of what it is. I mean, the world wants you to try people out first. The world wants you to think of it as a culmination of your happiness. He completes me. When actually marriage is not so much to make us happy, but marriage is to make us holy because you're going to find that marriage and the day you get married is just the start. And if you don't grow in that relationship, you're going to hit some very difficult times. And I tell young couples that, and he looks at her like, not me, sweetheart. And she goes, I know my sugar plum. And you're just like, oh man, oh man. And, and all the more important to talk about it now, because I'll tell you what, I want to push back on what the devil's doing in a lot of homes right now. Because over the last year and a half, marriage has been under tremendous pressure. A lot of opinions and views and feelings and fears have even rubbed between the closest of spouses, let alone those who are already on shaky ground. And if you've had some kind of uh, heated exchanges, right? I heard one guy say, my wife and I don't fight. We just have intense moments of fellowship. Okay, so if you've had some intense moments of fellowship, then, then you understand that there's times when we're really stretched and we need teaching from scripture during those times, not the world, okay? Because the world looks at love like a noun. The world thinks you fall out of it like a chair or fall into it like a pool. See, God says love is a verb, it's something you do. It's not whether you're feeling it or not. It's something you do. It's a sacrifice. It's a commitment. It's a covenant. 
It's a promise. And when you do that, you are saying, we want to live a life as an illustration, just like these rings, that our marriages, you say our marriage is an illustration? Your marriage is an illustration of something. What? The more nursed people in the scriptures know, oh, I know what he's gonna say. A marriage is an illustration of Christ and his bride, the church, and his love for her. And that's true. And if you're the devil, if you can break down that illustration, you've won a lot. Can I do this today? I have one goal, that when you walk out of here, married couples or young people who desire someday to be married, that you get into a conversation about your marriage and go ahead and use me as the bad guy. Can you believe that idiot, what he said? Go ahead. Try not to say idiot, that hurts my feelings, but <laughs> weird guy, whatever. But I'm hoping to open the door, because I know this. When a marriage, especially after a long period of time, hasn't communicated, it's very hard to talk about it again. There's not a door open to it. So use today to talk about it. And if you do that, I think you're gonna drive home, or if the kid's in the car, wait till later, and say, we need to talk about some of the things that were brought up. Blame me. You're only talking about because Chris said it. Yeah, I am actually. Okay. Let's talk about this because I'm a little bit sick and tired. Anybody? I'm a little bit sick and tired of the devil trying to destroy all the families in our area as well as in this church. Because I want to remind you, you say, it's not the devil, it's my husband. No, hang on. We don't fight against flesh and blood. It's not your husband that's your enemy. Yes, it... You don't battle against flesh and blood and it's not your wife who is the enemy. The devil is the enemy and he wants to sometimes use us to do that. And we've got to push back and go, not in this house. So if you were here today or if you were forced here today or if you came here fighting and going, I can't believe we're talking about this today. I don't know your situation. I wasn't at your house last night. I'm just gonna share what the Lord's laid on my heart. But I bet you're here for a reason. And so let's humbly hear the words of God because Peter has been pounding into this society to have a remarkable life full of joy and hope and mindset that's remarkable and reverence and foundation and submission. And today he's going, you want to know what's the best, one of the best testimonies you can have? What? What? A remarkable marriage. Peter today is calling for remarkable marriages our text will be 1 Peter 3, and we'll be looking at this subject. And I trust that you will begin to walk out of here today going, our marriage could actually be something that people say, what is it about you guys? What do you know? I see the way he treats you. It's remarkable. No guys do that. I see the way you talk about him. No ladies do that. What do you know? And Peter goes, yeah, we can use our marriages as wonderful illustrations, as well as testimonies of who Christ is. Heavenly Father, use today to speak into all our lives. And Lord, I know we have those in there that might not be in a marital relationship, but maybe they will be one someday, or maybe again, or, or whatever you have for them. But I pray that you'll use this 
in a way that will not shame them. That's what the devil wants. And we all have regrets in marriage. If we've been married, we have things we wish we maybe shouldn't have said or maybe shouldn't have done. We're all gonna have that. Lord, would you get the enemy out of here with his shame and guilt? And instead, may we hear the Holy Spirit inspire us, prompt us, tap us on that shoulder and go, that's where we need to work. Because Lord, we need, we need motivation today. We don't need a guilt and shame parade. We all have things. There's no perfect marriage in this place or watching. And so Lord, I pray that we tune into this in such a way that we would restore something that is broken or at least begin to rebuild. In your name we pray, amen. Young people in here today, you're like, oh great, a message on marriage. If you have parents, you will thank me for this message. You need this because there's nothing worse than being around a situation that's falling apart. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. I know the effects of a marriage falling apart on a young person. Been a very familiar with it. And so this is for all of us. And if you're pursuing a guy out there, girls, if you're pursuing a guy, I even have some, some thoughts today that Peter's gonna give us on how to be remarkable, not in the world's eyes, but in God's eyes as a lady. And guys, I've got some challenges for us. So please don't tune me out. If you're watching online and you settle in, you go, oh, here comes some conservative, archaic views. I want to just ask you this. Do you think the world's doing a good job with marriage as you look at it? Is it possible the Bible has a better path than what you're seeing? Because what we're being modeled out there, in my opinion, just by looking at it, it's not working. So is it possible that we have it wrong or something wrong and we need to submit more to what the scripture says? So Peter starts out with wives and he says, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands. Peter comes right in, he says, likewise, likewise what? Well, just like the, you are to submit to your governing authorities, last week we covered, just like you, the church that Peter was talking to is to submit to Nero, you also need to submit to your husbands, to yield to them, to submit to them. And, and, and you guys are in the room going, that's right, okay, that's scary if that's the way, and like finally a message that I'll preach. I want you to note something, guys. Peter goes, just like you have to submit to this crazy tyrant weirdo Nero, same thing for your husband. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, likewise, oh well, mm -hmm. it's almost like Peter saying, I know what you have to deal with ladies. But he says wives, which is extremely progressive for that time period. For wives were not typically addressed in ethical issues. So, so for Peter's audience, there'd be a temptation for the men to go, we're going to be talking about the wives? Yes, because they are spiritually free now in Christ, we're told. And, and so even in that society that did not have women and men equated, Peter goes, oh, I treat them completely equal, and I want to address the wives and tell them, be subject to your own husbands. It's so important you see this word, own. Because this passage has been abused by people to say like all women need to subject to men. 
It says, wives, I'm talking to you, submit to your own husband. This is a marital relationship that's being built up. So in the same way I told you to submit to the government, I want you to submit to your husbands. And the idea here is yield to them. Let them lead. Now, if you ever go into a traffic circle, that's a yield. Ladies, you have two ways of going in. Go ahead or... Uh, uh, and so if you're yielding to your husband like this, guys are like, oh, preach it, Chris, please. Please. Hey, you know what I'm gonna do, sweetheart? I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop the car. That's not the idea. The idea is you take the lead. See, women in that time period were to follow their husband's religion without questions. Peter's saying, I understand you might be a Christian and you're following your husband. I want you to be subject to him. And then he goes on, so that even if some do not obey the word, even if some don't obey the word, that they might be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. And when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Peter says there's a way to win them even if they're not obedient necessarily to the word. How? That they might see your respectful and pure conduct. It's interesting. Ladies, hear this. Don't let the enemy trap you into this, okay? Because the world just wants to trash men. You'll see this, ladies. They'll push that on you, girls. Trash the men in your life, right? It, says, it doesn't say you can win them over by constantly letting them know how disappointed you are in them and shaming them in every decision they make. Doesn't say it. Just, Peter says, look, you might have someone that's not necessarily obeying the word. One of the ways that you show submission to them is that you show them in your conduct and that it might win them over when you, they see your respectful and pure conduct. You say, Peter, you don't know my husband. Hang in there. Stay with me. Don't check out. But Peter's saying, the mark of a remarkable marriage, you will see in that marriage, respectful behavior. Not only of one another, but especially of a bride to her husband. Show me a marriage where the wife disrespects her husband, and I'll show you a marriage that's in trouble right now. A remarkable marriage, the wife is demonstrating respect for him. But he doesn't desert, neither did Nero. You're not submitting, ladies, out of his performance or even how he treats you. You're submitting out of your respect for God who puts all authority in place. Paul doubles down on this. Paul says, in Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Wait a minute. Marriage isn't just to make me happy and to do something cool in America or in my life. No, marriage is an illustration of Christ's love for his church. And so when you have a marriage that's remarkable, you have a marriage that's demonstrating Jesus' love for his church. And that's why dads can go, hey bud, you see what I did for mom there? Yeah. You know why I did that for mom? Mm-mm. 
because dad loves your mom and I know she's upset. And so when I do that, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on Christ and I want to be Jesus to her because Jesus is the head of the church. And so when I sacrifice for your mom, it's like Jesus sacrificed for me. And so I love her that way. You know what I'm saying, bud? And guess how few of those conversations are happening? Sweetheart, you know why I, you know why dad was like that? And you know why I chose to do that? Why? Well, sometimes dad has bad days, but out of respect to Jesus, I respect your dad. Okay? And, and, I, and I submit to that because of that. Because, hon, that's what Jesus wants for us girls. And you'll make it about the spouse per se. You make it about the God-willed order of submission. I see about five categories in scripture of God-willed order. One is the church body to Christ. The church should submit to Christ as he leads and sacrifices for his bride. Jesus is saying marriage is a picture of Jesus and his bride. The church is always called his bride in scripture. It's his girl and he loves her. He died for her. He sacrifices for her. He prays for her. He intercedes for her. He cares for her. He supplies all her needs. Jesus loves his girl, the church. We get so messed up because we get so caught up in our organization when the church is actually a body of Christ. Jesus loves her, and she is to submit to him and listen to him. How does she submit to him? What is said in the word is what she does. Church families are submissive, submit to their pastor. Scripture tells us as they lead and feed their church family, submit to the under shepherds that are over you. Citizens to government as they enforce justice and protect their society. Children to parents as they teach and admonish them. And wives to husbands as the husbands love and cherish them. The issue is we live in a, I won't do it unless you deserve it society. Society. But biblical submission goes beyond that. They don't do it because the person deserves it or the thing deserves it. They do it because he deserves it. And he must know what's best for me. It's amazing. We live in a time period where a lot of people are all over the place going, the church needs to take a stand. The church needs to take a stand. The church needs to take a stand and not do that. Should the church break all the zoning laws when it does its next building project? Hey, let's build it the way we want to build it. We don't have to listen to the government. Should they do that? And you would know that'd be shameful. That'd be terrible. Oh yeah, the church burnt down. You want to know why? Because the pastors got together and said, we don't need to listen to these silly government laws about fire codes. We're the church. See, what people charge the church against, it gets your clickbait, but they're not really thinking of what the body of Christ is called to do and what it's not called to do. Because we so often look at through our citizen eyes instead of God's eyes. And he says, the church is my bride. And I love her dearly. And she submit to what I tell her to do. And I tell her to follow my willed order. Does that make her weak? Ask a military man if following rank makes someone weak. Not at all. In fact, it actually exudes toughness. And so when we say, let's not submit one area, we also should be saying, well, then children, you shouldn't be submitting your parents unless you feel like it, unless they only parent you the way they want to. And guess what? Our society's getting closer to that. 
So, so we gotta look at these things and go, God has set this up because he knows what's best for us and the devil, if he's smart, will destroy this stuff. And so a remarkable marriage is to be respectful. And so ladies, when you're respectful of your husband, it's gonna stand out. You're gonna have a testimony. And I thought, you know who should be teaching this? Have you ever thought through that? Who should be teaching Women respecting their husbands. Um, Pastor Chris, I, I mean, yeah, I have to, but no, it's so much better if the older women do one of their responsibilities in scripture. You say, what? Yeah, in Titus, it says this, older women are to teach what is good and train the younger women to love their husbands and children. They're the ones who are to be telling them to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled and turned against because they go, I'm not doing that. He says, no, 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 that's not why you do it because he deserves it, sweetheart. That's not why you do this out of your reverence for Christ. You say, oh, well, well I mean, this is archaic. I mean, he says, working at home. Okay, Peter wasn't thinking you're gonna be at Google at home doing your home station here. He's saying when you go home, you work there and you work diligently there. Like all the ladies in this church, I already know do. It's the idea, I mean, some people have taken some of these passages so literal to kind of abuse women and push them down. It's such a shame. And that's why a lot came out of the legalistic movements of pounding women down. The same men who say, you need to do this. It's like, well, dude, how come you didn't come in and greet everyone with a holy kiss then, Mr. Literal? So, so like we, we don't want to take literal when we want to, and we take it only when we want to, right? So a marriage that is remarkable is a marriage that has a wife respecting her husband. Well, how do you do that? Here, here's a few ways. Just take this, maybe if 10 years of youth pastor work here, late young girls, listen to me on this one, okay? This will help your marriage. In my pastoral ministry, let me just give some thoughts. I'm gonna speak, speak, ladies, for the guys. I'm gonna push in, but girls, if you get a little uptight right now, I'm gonna go real hard at the guys at the end, okay? So don't, don't shoot. Girls, ladies, here's a couple. Speak well of him. One of the best ways to respect your man is to speak well of him. One of the worst things you could do is speak poorly of your husband. Speak well of him. When I hear my wife was speaking well of me, it just fills me up. Speak well of him. Second, remember to thank him. A lot of times you're asking, you're asking, you're asking, and he finally does it. And there isn't a ton of gratitude. When you say something like, hey, thank you, here's a little trick. He'll want to do it again. Rewarded behavior is repeated behavior. That's what I tell my kids. Well, sometimes us guys are like kids. I'm being nice to us saying sometimes. Thank you for doing that. How many times have you asked him? I mean, Jesus is all about thankfulness. He said, hey, didn't I heal 10? How come there's only one here? Where are the nine? Ladies, one of the best ways you can respect your guy is when he does something you kind of expect him to do, you go, thank you. And, And you're gonna say, Hey, thanks for taking out the trash. You're just saying that because Chris talked about this morning. Here's your response. Yes, I am. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with growing at church and applying it to our lives. Here's a third one. Let's move. Stay kind to him. You say stay. Yeah. Just because you've been married 30 years doesn't give you the right ladies to be mean to him all the time. We've got to end this. Older women just being mean to their husbands because he's not going anywhere. Look at him. He can barely walk. 
We gotta stay, like be kind, right? Like let's just speak truth. Come on, it's such a wonderful thing to hear an older lady going, he's my guy. I've heard it. That's my guy. I know I am. Awesome, awesome. All the young people in that room are learning something in that moment. Here's another. Seek advice first from him. Go to him first. A guy doesn't want to hear you've already asked his buddy to fix the car because you can't. We know you can't, so I called him. Just ask him first. Hey, can I call your friend because we know you can't? There, that's better. <laughs> and don't do this. Don't, don't leverage me. He'll never come to church again. Okay, you come home and you go, hey, well, Pastor Chris was saying, you know what he was saying you need to do? He's thinking, yeah, Pastor Chris can go take it and drive it off a road. I don't care what he says. Don't, don't, don't bring another guy. You, you, you seek advice from him first. It makes him feel so good that you want his advice. He wants to be that knight. Here, here's another. Here's a way to respect your man. Find ways to support him. Just find ways to support him. Look for opportunities. I'm going to support him in this new endeavor. I'm gonna be excited about his new tractor. Here we go. Oh, look at his tractor. I know, right? I mean, find ways to support him, okay? Here's another. Pray specifically for him. Ladies, I wrote specifically, because you have to ask him how he needs prayer so you can specifically pray. Hey, how can I be praying for you? Oh, he's fine. No, he's not. He is not fine. There ain't a guy in here who's fine. Ladies, we need you to be praying for us as wives. Ask him, what can I be praying for you? And guys, give her something. Open up. And then finally, just some ideas to be remarkable. Dress foremost for him. Dress foremost for him. Be thinking of him first. There are times where you can tell when a woman's not dressing just for her husband. It's one of the things that I've had times with young guys. I go, guys, you gotta understand something, okay? I'm not speaking from a level of judgment, but is she just dressing for you or is it clear she's dressing for everybody? Think that through, because that doesn't just switch off. And that means continue to dress for him. Don't stay in sweats forever. Okay, come on, let him feel a little important. I've had guys walk into revivals, 74. Look at that girl right there. And she's like, that's right. I mean, and it's like beautiful. It's, it's awesome because he's like dead serious. It's great. It shows a healthy respect. Do you want a marriage that's remarkable? Be respectful towards your guy. Peter says, don't let your adorning. Be just external. I say just because that is how this reads. Don't let your adorning, this word here, you can write above it, cosmos. It's where we get the word cosmetics, okay? Do not let your cosmetics be external. You're more than that, ladies. Or the braiding of your hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear. This is an excuse to keep girls in culottes for 15 years. This is something to say, ladies, don't think just about your outward appearance. Think about your heart. I'm gonna get real into this because I got a daughter that I love way more than my own self. And I want her to be beautiful 
and she already is, but not just because of what she puts on, but who she is. Guys, have you ever seen a girl that the world might not call that attractive, that is extremely attractive because she has remarkable traits? God gives girls a lot of remarkable traits that I bet any mom in this room would want her to hear from their church. Don't let your adorning just be that, okay, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty. This is a beauty that won't fade away of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Oh, here, here we go, a gentle and quiet spirit. Okay, okay, do you want your daughter to be very precious to the men of this world or do you want your daughter to be very precious in the sight of God? I'm going God, and I, and I desire that because boys, we know boys, okay? And so I want my young lady to be the very precious in God's sight. And Peter goes, yeah, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Don't circle that, guys. See, Lord, no, no, okay? And can I tell you, there are some areas that actually try to do this? No. What it's saying is Sarah had a submissive heart towards Abraham. You say, I would too. I would too if I was married to Abraham. I mean, he's the father of nations. This Abraham, he was just as childish at times as many of the men that have followed him. Sarah, he noticed, was very beautiful, scripture says. Oh, I know well that you are a beautiful woman in appearance. He goes on to tell her. When the Egyptians see you, they're gonna say, this is his wife, and they will kill me. But they'll let you live. Well, that's unacceptable to Abraham. Say you're my sister, that might go well for me because of you, and that my life might be spared for your sake. See, Sarah was dealing with someone who was thinking just about much of himself than, than other people. So it's not necessarily who you're submitting to. You're submitting to God, not necessarily the man. I, I heard a story one time of a, of a Fortune 500 CEO, massive, beautiful car, pulls up to a gas station. He must have been in New Jersey because there was a guy filling the pump for him. And, and, and he got out of his car, you know, and he, and he left his girl there and he walked in and he noticed in the gas station, his wife is talking to the the guy filling the car up and they're really chumming it up they're giggling he's like what's this about he comes out and he goes hey who was that she was i actually used to date him can you believe it and he's like oh he went huh what i know what you're thinking what you're thinking you're so glad you married me and not that guy because you married into all my company, or you could be married to a gas attendant. And she said, actually, I was thinking if I would have married him, he would be the company owner and you'd be in a gas station. <laughs> How many ladies are the reason for their men's success? I can think of a million. 
But you're her children, ladies. If you do good and don't fear anything that is frightening, you will find the world doesn't want to hear this. In fact, this is making the world angry that I'm preaching this. This world makes its sitcoms about mocking men. They want to destroy that as much as humanly possible. And that's called tough and awesome. But you're finding it's crippling at the seams. And those same people who are bodacious on the TV are crying at night in their beds because they're full of pain and full of hurt and full of destructive behavior in marriages. And that's why, ladies, you need to hear from Scripture. A remarkable marriage has a woman who's respectful of her husband and submissive to her husband. Scripture says in Proverbs, here's wisdom. A wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman, she tears it down with her own hands. How do you tear your house down with your own hands? By constantly bashing your husband, by constantly not thanking him, by constantly saying things and then behaving a certain way, by looking into impure things all the time, by going a mind where you shouldn't go. It's very clear that a woman somehow can actually tear her house down. So the Lord, through Peter, gives this description of a young lady or a lady or a wife that is very precious in God's sight. Very precious. Moms, don't you want a young lady that hasn't have to listen to some guy on a stage hear about what she should look like in God's eyes? Don't you want to hear it from scripture? Here's a couple things Peter points out. One, have a submissive mindset. Teach her that. Two, Purity in conduct. Pure conduct is so precious in God's sight. Three, respectful approach. I'm going to tell you, I know some extremely successful women in the world's eyes that even attend here, okay? Extremely successful, yet very respectful in their approach. You don't have to be a monster to be respectful and have a good approach as a Christian woman. These are things that are precious in God's sight. This isn't my opinion. I'm literally pulling the scripture up. Four, quiet spirit. Does it mean I gotta be silent? No. Does it mean I don't get to laugh? No. My wife can fill a room up with her laugh. That's not the point. It's saying you guard when you put your opinion out. You guard how you talk. You guard these things. You keep a mindset of it because you know that's very precious. In the world's eyes, no. In his eyes. And that's all you care about. Because this world is finicky, girls. This world is so finicky. They'll tell you, you do this, young lady. You do this, young lady. And in the same stinking world, you know what it'll do? It'll tell you, you got to take half your clothes off to be famous. The same world. And so we follow it, hook, line, and sinker, but it's a lie. It's a lie. God doesn't think about the outside appearance. He cares about your heart, and that's what's very precious to him. And we got to be telling our girls more because they're listening too much of what the world says. And it's going to just wreck them, and you know it's going to wreck them. And the same girl that posts on her Instagram account, there's a bunch of 70-year-olds looking at it too. And all you dads, you know it. And so we've got to teach them, girls, be God's girl. Here's another. He says this, gentle disposition. Here's another. 
Peter says, why is discernment? I, I can't thank my wife enough for her discernment. And, and on top of that, God loves in his girls, it's very precious to him when they're fearless. Oh man, a woman with a fearless faith is so precious to God, she ain't afraid of nothing. She's tough as nails. She knows who her God is. She is not defined by what magazines say. She's not defined what men do to her. She knows who she is before God, and that's very precious in his sight. Remarkable marriages are respectful and submissive. But let's remember what submission is and what submission is not. Submission's God's will, it's not always my will. Jesus even showed that. Submission is commanded, it's not suggested. Submission is yielding, it's not aligning. Submission is being respectful, it's not saying I approve of all the behavior of my spouse. It's entrusting, it's not necessarily trusting your spouse. It's worship, it's not weakness to submit. And it's obedience, not disobedience. Ladies, if your husband's telling you to do something that's sinful, you see in scripture, we're not ever called to disobey God for submission's sake. We're told to submit to the Lord as our highest priority. Peter said, I must serve God over man. If you're telling me to deny the truth, I can't do that. I have to stick with what God says. And so, no, you shouldn't do something disobedient your husband's asking you to do. You should take that before the Lord, but make sure you know it's sin and you don't just think it. One person asked one time, should a wife submit to her husband in an abusive relationship? I heard a professor ask that question to his class. I heard this illustration. And he said, should, should a wife stay in the marriage even if he's being abusive? And the class is like, no, it's common sense, no way. He goes, okay, back that up scripturally. And they'd be like, well, I don't know, but it, it makes no sense. He said, I, I, I'm disagreeing with you guys. Back it up scripturally. Because it says, submit to him even if he's disobedient. Um, one student raised their hand. Isn't it illegal to abuse your spouse? He said, yes, it is. So here's a chance to submit to your governing authorities, report it, and have a chance for the marriage to survive during a time of even jail at the time. I'm not saying this is the prescription, but here is the chance the class thought, oh, there's a way to submit to the governing authority to say, look, it's wrong for you to do this, and there's a chance still at restoration, which I've seen such, but getting the person out of a situation that's abusive, which no one would ask anyone to be in. Remember what submission is and what submission is not. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Men know her so well, it's fun for her to live with you. It's great for her to live with you. Understand her. Get to know her emotions, her heart. Know her love languages, if you will. I know there's some love languages out there, the gifts. Some people, they just feel love when they get a gift. Some people, it's time. Oh, he spent time with me. I just love that. For some, it's touch. Make sure you're hugging her. For some, it's words. Sweetheart, you're beautiful. Whatever it takes, find their specific love language. My wife knows mine. It's words of affirmation. Words of affirmation speak to me. I know hers. It's, gift, it's service, okay? She if I come home and I clean the house, 
I clean it all up. I put a little candle on, right? I clean up. I go down. I sit down. She comes in the door. Oh, oh, you're like, learn from this, Landon. Learn from this. Oh, you cleaned up. And then sometimes, guys, you have to deal with this. Finally, sometimes you have to deal. Just work, guys, work your way. It's not how she responds. You do that for her. I told you, if you stuck it out, I'm coming at the men now, ladies. Showing honor to the woman. Put her needs above yours. Go out of your way to show her honor as the weaker vessel since they're heirs with you of the grace of life. Now, girls, hang on there. All the athlete girls are like, I ain't no weaker vessel. I'll fight you right now, Chris. Hang on, hang on. I coached girls basketball for a time period. We used to do certain drills just for their knees because girls are very susceptible to ACL tears, even more than guys, okay? Because girls' bodies are more like fine china. A guy's a little bit more like an iron skillet. That's the reference here. It's not so much that one's better than the other or even more powerful. I was a youth pastor. I saw girls literally truck guys out there in flag football. It was awesome. He's talking about understanding this and treating them as special. Why? Because they're very special to God. Listen to me, guys. Your wife isn't just yours. That's Jesus's daughter. Can I speak to dads for a minute? That's Jesus's daughter. How are you taking care of her, guys? How are you talking to Jesus' daughter? How are you comforting Jesus' daughter? Jesus died for his church. Your marriage is a picture of that. He said, I supply for all her needs. I comfort her in her afflictions. I come alongside her. I'm closer than a family member to her. I'm willing and did die for her. Guys, honor your wife. She's so Stinking special to me. That's my daughter you just talked to. That's my daughter you've been ignoring. That's my daughter you're asking to do too much. And when I hear that as a father, it speaks to me. You know, Chris, Rebecca's my girl, right? Yes. Act that way. Remarkable marriages have a respectful wife and a respectful husband because everything the wife's called to do, guys, you're called to do it too. Remarkable marriages have, have a pathway to treat a girl right. And blessed is the husband who does it. He says, may your fountain in Proverbs, may the fountain, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. I had an older mentor in my life. He said, you better have a picture of your wife on your wedding day in your house. President of my Bible college, he drove this huge car. He'd always pull up, and when it was time to pick his wife up for something, okay? So, went to Lancaster Bible College, and it was, it was Dr. Peterson, if you're watching, some Lancaster Bible College students you're watching, Dr. Peterson's before um, the, the previous president. And he would get out, where's my bride? And she'd come out, there she is. He's a big old guy, big. There she is. He'd open his door. She'd get in. And all us college guys who the world's saying treat girls like objects are going, I'm learning something right now. All right, boys, we'll see you. We winning? We winning tonight? We're winning tonight. We aren't even listening. 
I remember saying, when I marry a girl, I'm going to call her, not my wife, I'm going to call her my bride. So that I fulfill this verse and remember the day she looked across from me and said, okay, here's my ring. Here's your ring. And so the rest of my life, I want to honor my girl. Guys, don't you want to honor your girl? That's Jesus' daughter. Here's a couple ways. Here's a couple ways. Find ways to serve her. You go, oh no, Chris, I'm going to have to clean the garage. Maybe that's what your marriage needs. But my fantasy roster is good today. Maybe that's what your marriage needs. Do this. Fix your eyes only on her. Fix your eyes only on her. Guys, you know what I mean. Girls, girls, pray for your guys. We are set up to fail. Your sons are set up to absolutely fail. And one of the greatest things you can do, dads, is if your eyes do get caught, you go, boom, right back to your wife. Even she's like, what's your problem? I am fixing my eyes on you. (laughs) And all your boys are going to do that with their wife someday because they saw their dad do it. It's awesome. You don't got to preach this stuff, dads. Just make moments like this. What's wrong with a husband going, wow, look at mom. Gross, dad. Grow up, dad. That's so stupid. Yeah, but you got it out there. You got it out there. Fix your eyes only on her. Your boys heard it. Your daughter heard it. Third, speak very highly of her. Guys, if you're tempted to make fun of your wife because that's what all the guys at the work do, speak highly of her. You'll have the greatest testimony in the world. But I put very Go out of your way to speak highly of your wife. You know what you got to do then? You got to find the things you like about her because I bet there's not everything. And when you see something, you speak very highly of it. Here's another. These are ways to be honor your girl. Make time just for her. Here's another. Be quick to support her. She's probably doing some hard things. Sometimes the tears come. You be quick to support her. I have sat in sessions with the wife going, it was having me and having me, and he said nothing. He said nothing. Just weeping. Be quick to support her. Leave and cleave to her and support her. Don't be unsupportive of her. Well, it's about time you did that. Support her. Honor her. Here's another. Seek ways to protect her. I mean, I have this this weekend. I have this this weekend. I'm really getting overwhelmed. Well, hon, you're not going then. You're not going on that one. No, I need to. You don't understand. I need to be there. No, you don't need to be there, hon. I don't want you to go. I, I, but you got to understand. If I'm not, I, I, I get that. Tell them Chris said you can't come. I'll sleep great at night regardless of their response. I'm protecting you from you. I need you to be in a decent emotional state tomorrow. This needs to not happen. And she'll be like, okay, I'll tell him. Okay, hey, I can't come. Chris was saying it's not best for me to come. Saying around the house that night. <laughs> Why? Because she knows I protected her. Guys, it's awesome when you protect your bride. It's awesome. Let your boys see you protect her. And then finally pray specifically for her. Guys, when's the last time? This convicts me all the time. Hey, what can I be praying for? What can I be praying? You're just asking that because Chris said it. Yes, I am. Because you know what? I was convicted Sunday. I wasn't shamed and guilted like the devil wanted. I was convicted and inspired by the Holy Spirit. Honey, what can I be praying for? Why is this important, guys? Peter says it's so important to honor your wife so that your prayers may not be hindered.
Whoa, 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 whoa. We're going that heavy? Yeah. The word hinder there means to throw an obstacle in front of your prayer life. How you treat Jesus' daughter can throw an obstacle in your prayer life. It doesn't say he doesn't hear them, but there's an obstacle in the way, guys. I used to wonder why some of the men in my life seem to have a direct line to God. I have been really mentored by some super, super men, and I've noticed something about all of them that dawned on me. They're awesome husbands. They're not perfect, but they're awesome husbands. And that clearly has opened a path in their prayer life that a lot of us younger husbands should learn from. Remarkable marriages are respectful, submissive, and honoring. I want you to cast a vision with your wife at some point this week of what old age will look like. I want you to cast a vision with your husband if he's willing to talk. Chris said we have to talk about it is a great reason to talk this week. Remember, it was my goal. Why? Because I love you guys. I love this church with all my heart. I need all of you praying for my marriage and all the pastors because we just got a special target, it feels, sometimes. And I know it's just really smart move of the devil, okay, to take down leaders especially. And we need everybody praying for one another, not judging one another, praying for one another. Lord, may the men of this church honor their wives so it's easy to submit to them. Wives, may they respect Jesus so much that they love this bonehead sometimes. Because the devil wants us thinking our spouse is the enemy when we're really fighting against him. My wife and I have a desire someday to be this old couple walking down the road. Pastor Doug said, if you're walking in that part of the road, you two are gonna be dead. I said, well, maybe this is the way we're going out. This is the way we're going out. We just have this dream, okay, that we're gonna be like this, like, you know, like, like, dad, what? I'm walking with your wife, my mom, your woman, you know? My wife, can't even talk. <laughs> look at her. Oh, grow up, dad. No, look at her. Come on, sweetheart, let's go watch the grandsons hit a baseball. I want that for my kids. I want that for my family. And I know all of you do too. And no matter what kind of damage has done in marriage, what if today was your fresh start? Because I know when I put up these marriage things, for some of you, that's tremendous pain. What if today was your fresh start? What if you guys push back on what the enemy's been trying to do in your house? 1 Corinthians 13 is something I'd love for you to read. I had a, a mentor say to me, Chris, open this up every once in a while. And I've read it to couples forever. And it's what we'll leave with today. He said, I want you to read the love verses and I want you to put your name in it and ask yourself if that's true of you. And if you do that, Chris, you're gonna be a remarkable husband. If Rebecca's to take her name and put her name in these verses, she's gonna be a remarkable wife. For scripture has called us to this. And so I tried it. Love is patient and kind. No, no, Chris, put your name in there. Uh, okay. Okay. Chris is patient and kind. 
Chris does not envy or boast. Chris is not arrogant or rude. Rebecca does not insist on her own way. She is not irritable. Rebecca is not resentful. Chris doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. Rebecca rejoices with the truth. Chris bears all things. Rebecca believes all things. Chris hopes all things. Rebecca endures all things. That kind of love won't end. Because you're submitting to Jesus as the leader of the two of you. And you honor her and she respects your position before Christ. You're going to have a marriage that eight things love doesn't want to do to their spouse. Love doesn't want to be impatient or rude. Love doesn't want to carry that resentment, does it? Love doesn't want to keep being arrogant and demeaning. Dads, the boys are listening to you demean your wife. Love doesn't talk bad about them. Moms, your daughters are listening. You trash your husband. Don't let this happen. Fight back. Don't be selfish with each other. Don't be easily angered. Don't hold grudges. Don't even let the sun go down. Don't lie to them. And if you have, ask for forgiveness. He can wash you white as snow and you can start that marriage Today, God brought us in here today, didn't he, sweetheart? Yes, hon, he did. Hey, let's work on this together. I agree. You know, Chris said we should talk about this. I know, I know, I know. Why don't we? Heavenly Father, please, Lord, protect the marriages of this church. I know some might be really hurting today. Some of our guys might have said some really mean things to their wife and they need to ask for forgiveness. Some of our wives may have taken advantage of their husbands and need to ask for his forgiveness. And both of us need to submit to Christ and what he tells us to do in his word. For he knows what's best for us. But this world wants us to fall apart. Why? Because there's a God of this world. And if we're honest, many of us are aching for our friends in our communities who don't have the love of Jesus Christ and their marriages are falling apart. And it aches us as believers. May we all the more seek to be remarkable with our spouse. Not, Not so they praise us, so that they praise Jesus who put us together to be an illustration of his love for his church. So guys, may we do our part and ladies, may you do your part. Not because one another deserves it, but because Jesus has asked us to. And whatever he asks us to do, in the end, will be best. God, give us the humility to hear your word. And may we, as men, go out of our way to honor our wife this week. And may we, ladies, go out of our way to make sure our guy knows how much you love him. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of marriage. Lord, I pray that this message benefits even the children and young people, maybe even the college students who might be looking at this one day. 
as a reminder of what Scripture says in a world that is led by an enemy who desires none of them to stay together. Amen.